Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 52 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is the avatar, Ben Bumhoff. Oh, How you doing, ben? oh, I see what you're doing. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Uh huh. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. Uh, hopefully, um, I have enough, uh, gosh, enough juice to, to keep going today because. Man, oh man, do we have some fun stuff to talk about? And really I mean, we have—I I wouldn't exactly call it a marathon of things, but um, well, let's just say that I, I really think that we're going to be in our element this time. Ah, well done. So it turns <laughs> out uh, that we got a lot of really good feedback on the old monster fixer uh, <laughs> segment. So we're just like, heck, why don't we do it again? Uh, so in this episode, we are going to cover elementals and uh, talk about spicing them up a little bit, as well as breadcrumbs and plot hooks. Yes. Because uh, we'll I know Ben's got uh, got some some stuff like he's just drawing on inspiration. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, hey, you know what? Kind of in the zone. I, I'm probably going to talk about stuff that we did, and I think it could be a fun topic to begin with. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just drop that little breadcrumb right there and pick that up later. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's talk about elementals. And these these are really interesting. So we're going to go over the air, the fire, the earth, and the water elemental. Heart. And these, these monsters are are interesting in that they're they're not the biggest offenders as far as basic generic monster templates go. Mm-hmm. They each have like one little flavor thing. But really that's pretty much it. It's yeah. like here's some slam attacks and a little bit of flavor. Yeah, and it's it's really kind of um well just kind of disappointing really because you know anytime i think of like elementals uh you know you could look at it as something like oh something big something huge but they're controlling you know the the very you know fabric of kind of creation if you think about it they should be something just so much more neat than i'm gonna hit you uh you know there's a whole tv series about teenagers who control one element and then they combine to become a a superhero um there's a there's a spider-man movie where they're fighting elementals quote unquote uh you know the the the, one of the big things about like um zeus fighting the titans they were had like elemental forms i mean there's there's so much about these that could be just absolutely amazing and neat except they're boiled down and pushed into just the tiny little you know, kind of like challenge rating five monsters, which yeah, they can kind of do some damage, but they have weaknesses galore. So give them a little bit more offensive capability, I say. Yeah, that uh, or even support capability or now I can't stop thinking about a heart. Elemental? Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, that would be an amazing elemental. <laughs> No question. But I was more thinking of like, I can't stop thinking about a conglomeration of elementals. Mm-hmm. Like what is their, what is their captain planet? Right. Oh, that'd be really cool. Like, actually. I need to homebrew this. Like what is their, what is their powers combined? I don't know. Destruction. Like, I kind of want, I kind of want to find out. Yeah. 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 
Um, but anyways, so we're going to kind of start going through these uh, and we'll start with the air elemental. And uh, I've been doing kind of um, a hashtag monster fixer uh, series on my Twitter, actually. And so I've been starting to go through the monster manual and throw out just like tweet sized additions to make different monsters more interesting if they need need some extra flavor and stuff so i've been uh i've been doing that for a week or two now and my goal is to do a few a week until the end of the year just just for fun it's a great creative exercise and they are pretty fun i I will definitely give you that good good i'm glad i've seen Uh, them and i'm like you know what you keep doing the good work there ryan (laughs) <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad somebody's finding them useful um I've, I've been getting some good feedback on them so i've i've definitely enjoyed doing it and it's it's something that i do a lot in my own games just naturally mm-hmm. because as a dm i like to play interesting things <laughs> like i don't like to i don't like to shoot or hit and that's it more any more than like you would with a character like what like what if your character boiled down to I hit him, I shoot him. Sorry, barbarians. Uh no, you have you have other things. It's okay. Uh <laughs> but yeah, say, like, oh, no, no. You, oh no, don't say that. Oh no. Oh no. No, but you want to have more interesting things as a DM to run, not just for yourself, but to engage the players more, right? And so exactly. um some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, I've kind of fleshed out and you might see these on, on monster fixer. But uh, so for the air elemental and for a lot of these elementals, I was looking at it's just like, there's really no ranged attacks for like any of these. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a huge weakness. Like what happens if you have characters that can fly or what happens if you have very long range? Ca- what like what are these elementals going to do? They're just going to be like, oh well, I guess I've got to take two rounds of damage while I get to the <laughs> yeah. get to the party. Or you have one person who's just completely safe from everything. Like I'm a wizard so, and I'm sixty feet away. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. And so my my philosophy on like. Unless unless the monster is like a I do range damage and nothing else type monster, mm-hmm. what I usually like to do is when I give more melee type monsters range attacks is you give them a weaker ranged attack. Potentially that does something else because that way they're not incented to just stay in the back and cast their ranged attack, but they have it as they're moving into attack or if a character is out of range or if a character is flying or something so that you can actually handle those types of situations. Yeah. So for the air elemental, uh, I was thinking of adding an attack called Gale. So this is like 30 foot range plus eight to hit, 1d8 plus five bludgeoning damage, but it's a it also causes the target to have to make a DC 14 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. So this is a pretty cool thing because you could replace one of the slam attacks with this thing. And so you could, even if you are in melee, try and hit them with it, knock them down, get advantage on your slam attack. It's not going to do as much damage though. So you have to decide, do I want to do more damage 
or do I want to potentially have the advantage on the attack or someone's flying? You hit them. They fail their strength save. They're grounded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it it's definitely adds an element of um, control to the battlefield. Exactly. I went a slightly different way. Um, I'm kind of Ben is sadistic tonight. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. I, I went a little sadistic on very this. sadistic tonight, and I'm, I'm just trying to to really kind of um, look at it and, and break down what they could actually you know like like again a pure element. What could it do? Does that mean that I'm going to like, you know, blood bend as a water bender or something? Probably not, but I'm not too far off. <laughs> um, now, unlike Ryan, I am not going through and, you know, doing monster fixer on Twitter. So I don't have any stats on here whatsoever. So that's where the fun part for me comes in. Cause I could just be like, what if, and then we can figure out what yeah, happens. General ideas. Yeah. And that's why we're giving you a little bit of both. Exactly. Plus, you know, it, for me, if you look at it, it can totally scale up and down based on, you know, the, the level your party's at and everything like that, which of course the stats that Ryan's giving totally can scale as well, because obviously you're the DM, you choose what happens. So for the air elemental, I, I'm just calling it hold your breath. And uh, basically you have some sort of con saving throw and the elemental either it, it reaches into the character, the NPC's lungs and either uh, like kind of takes them hostage so you can't breathe or it just pulls the air out. And, you know, whether that causes like a stun for a round as they're like kind of trying to catch their breath or something along those lines. Um, I figure an extra added effect on top of that is that uh, the character cannot speak. So if they're a caster, you've basically CC'd them until they're able to kind of, you know, either exhale to to to, to push that out or inhale to, to bring that air back in to, you know, work the next round. Love it. It's scary as heck, though. Like, I don't want to go up against an air elemental just thinking, oh, I just can't <laughs> breathe anymore. This isn't yes. fun. So, Yeah. Uh, I'm a little sadistic today, so sorry. And, uh, for my players, I'm sorry. No, that's, that's an interesting one. I re I really like the, the possibilities. And like, like you said, there's a lot of different ways you could take that, mm -hmm. whether it be a stun or potentially what is there like a muted condition? Well, silenced silence. Yes, of course. <laughs> the one where you can't. <laughs> Speak. speak words <laughs> oh brain okay that's okay. yeah the, yeah silence silence condition because yeah. you're getting choked yeah i mean super interesting for for normal like holding breath um you know you're looking at basically your your uh, constitution modifier so you like npc generally get a minute and then for every you know point that they have in their modifier over that they get an extra minute this wouldn't exactly fit. It's not like, a, hey, I'm holding my breath against that because, you know, it's either forcefully being pushed in and then like stopping the lungs from working or being pulled out completely. Yeah. Actively removing air. Yeah. So again, I'm sorry. That's just it. It's it's scary <laughs> to think about. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go back to something a, a little tamer for you before I just, you know, darken the mood again. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah let's let's switch to the fire elemental right. so fire elemental has got uh probably one of the biggest stat blocks of the four just because 
it's it's got some complex interactions with how it moves like it can basically be in someone's space and burn them it is pure fire and so uh it's got some rules for that it's touch uh attack that it can do basically can set people on fire as well but that's about it it's just like you're burning or you're burning Mm -hmm. so how can we make this more interesting again i was like what can we do to do some sort of a a range attack so i came up with ring of fire and this is actually a little bit mechanically based off of one of my favorite uh world of warcraft fights from uh karazhan Mm. oh yeah and so essentially you have a 30 foot range for this attack and it places a ring of fire around a target, which does 1d6 fire damage per round, just because, you know, you're close to fire. It's not a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, And then you basically need to decide, do I want to stay in this thing and take a little bit of damage and be kind of stuck? Or do I want to try and move out of this thing with potential consequences? So if the target wants to leave the circle, they have to make a DC 14 dex save. Uh, If they do not make it, if they make it, they're fine. They're able to get out of the, get out of the radius, move away. They're fine. Like jumping over a campfire. Yeah. If they do not make it, the circle explodes in a 10 foot radius and deals 3d6 fire damage. Like trying to jump over a campfire and then dropping your your gallon of gasoline on it. Exactly. <laughs> and so I, I just like it's it's a very uh, and then I have it like on a, a recharge system. So mm-hmm. you've got it once and then you roll and if you get a five or six um, or like some of the elementals uh, have recharges on four through six, you could you could tweak it however you wanted to. Um, but. Uh, it's it's on a on a recharge of some sort and so essentially this will allow uh some basically movement hindrance or lockdown Mm -hmm. if the person wants to risk it to try and get out but also could risk an aoe uh depending on where they're at which is a super interesting thing i love things that play with positioning especially since a lot of combat for D and D is honestly is meant for a gridded map yeah, or intended for a gridded map. And a lot of people, and I mean, I, I believe um, James over at MCDM ran a, a Twitter poll on uh, recently on like how many of you use a grid, like all the time, some of the time, less than 50% of the time or not at all. And the majority of the people were either in the all the time or at least 50% of the time. Yeah. And so just based off of that, it makes sense to build in mechanics that make use of, of gridded play. Whereas it'd be a little loosey goosey kind of otherwise. Yeah. I agree with you on that so much so that mine, uh, what I've come up with kind of has a couple different things. So my first thought was, okay, so what if the fire went into your lungs and no, I'm kidding. We're, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> everything, everything is about, is about lungs. Exactly. Uh, just wait till we get to the earth element. No. Uh, 
so my idea is, is essentially you're a being made of pure fire. Um, the ground's going to just burn as you move around. So, you know, as, as a, a fire elemental moving around, like leave a fire trail behind it. And the first thought that came to mind is like, man, wouldn't it be horrible if someone summoned a fire elemental inside a house and it just ends up destroying the whole thing because it's like being a fire, just moving around. Hey, look, the ground is wood, you know, it, it I don't know. It's knowing that there's a thing that is a, a brazier of, of uh, uh, summoning for fire elementals. Just I'm thinking of all these horrible things that can happen in a town for people who are magically inclined. But anyways, so leaving fire trails behind as they move, it just makes sense to me. I, I think that works. You know, maybe if they're on just like just pure stone or something like, sure, why not? But I like the idea of it's so hot, it's burning the ground no matter what. Then I added a ranged component to it. And, you know, instead of just, you know, throwing just a piddly little firebolt, or, you know, a massive fireball. I'm like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if they had a couple different options? You have like a flame spout that shoots like just a straight flamethrower. Like think kind of like a dragon's breath kind of thing uh, or like a, a dragonborn would, would do. Mm-hmm. Or for, um, you know, less distance, have like a conal effect. So you have a little bit of an area that you can kind of play with. So, you know, maybe you're trying to hit one or two people at a closer range so instead of like, you know, a 60 foot cone, you're looking at maybe a, a, a 20 or 30 foot cone uh, compared to like a 60 foot flamethrower or something. So, you more know, like a, more like a cleave. Yeah, exactly. So that you, you have, again, that range option in there, as well as the ability to, you know, like encircle people with fire. If you like, you know, have a battle where you've got three fire elementals, one of them's just dancing around, just lighting the ground on fire so that, you know, it becomes dangerous terrain for whoever wants to go or if they want to move somewhere. And it gives you um, ways to kind of lock off areas and, you know, kind of force the players into specific patterns and stuff if you wanted. Yeah, I think that's super cool. I I really like like the idea of that. It's hot. Okay, I'll give that one to you. No, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I'm in a I'm I'm in a generous mood tonight. <laughs> oh, well, the I appreciate only one, that then. <laughs> the only one. Okay, I'll have to really work for the others then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's uh, there's a little fire elemental inspiration for for you. Uh, next up, we have the earth elemental, and uh, this guy actually has a few cool things. Um, I mean, it's it's got your standard slam attacks. They mm-hmm. all seem to to have slam attacks. Elementals apparently love slamming things. Um, well, I mean, it does have doesn't? a few. I mean, who doesn't? It's got a few interesting traits. It is a siege monster, which means it deals double damage to objects and structures. Mm-hmm. This doesn't tend to come up a ton in my experience, but it is something to kind of uh, keep in mind if that's the type of situation you're playing in. Uh, and it also has Earth Glide, which is actually pretty cool because it can burrow through non-magical, unworked Earth and stone. And while doing so, it doesn't disturb the material. So basically, picture elemental. It's got 30-foot burrow speed, sinks into the ground, and then pops up, you know, 30 feet away. And you have really cool uh, 
big mobility from that. Mm -hmm. So make sure as you play the Earth Elemental, you make use of that Earth Glide, kind of almost teleporting around to to kind of get to to targets in the back or kind of move away from um, the the melee who are who are trying to keep your attention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now it doesn't say anything specifically about um, earth gliding, you know, not causing an opportunity attack, but I mean, you could always just kind of add that in there because it's essentially just melting into the ground. So, you know, you do have that extra little bit on top of just the, the pure stat block that you have. For sure. Um, so the thing I came up with, uh, is called earthen prison. It's a bonus action Mm -hmm. and it's a 30 foot range. Uh, so what it does is it traps the target in an enclosure of earth. So basically think, uh, person standing there, earth elemental cast this like four walls rise up around them and you got a roof. So like a big earthen dirt stone box. Yeah. Uh, basically blind them, put them in darkness. Um, and you know, technically even puts a terrain piece on the field Mm -hmm. when you do that. But essentially you get a deck save, uh, a DC 14 to avoid getting trapped in the box. The box would still get created regardless. So you've got, uh, another piece of terrain, which is kind of cool. Because changing up the battlefield dynamically as you play mm-hmm. always makes things more interesting. But if they miss that, you get stuck in there. And then you have to, like, basically damage your way out. So, say, all the faces, I, I kind of uh, just was playing around with it. Faces have a 12 AC to hurt them enough to actually, you know, penetrate them some and 15 health. So you can pick pick a face that you want to start damaging and you have to hit an uh, AC of 12 and you got to do 15 HP of damage to break through. That's quite and doable. Then, yeah, yeah, very, very doable. So it's it's not something you want to, like, keep a person out of a fight for forever. Like, that's just that's just mean. But it does allow them to <laughs> allow you to basically oh, this caster is being a pain in the butt. Whew. You're now trapped in an earthen prison, mm-hmm. essentially. And then uh, recharge on a four through six because it's a bonus action and it doesn't actually deal damage. So I was just like, yeah, they don't have any bonus actions. That'd be kind of cool and have it on a have it on a recharge. It'd be pretty sweet. Um, one other thing you could do if you wanted to to get kind of cheeky is you could <laughs> give the earth elemental an actual, you know, earth spell. Um, I was looking specifically at uh, erupting earth. This is a spell that already exists. It's a third level spell, which means it would probably be fairly uh, applicable to a, a CR five type creature. Mm hmm. Um, you could have it just be, you could have it on a recharge. You could have it just be like a one use per day. Cause let's, let's be real. Most combat you're is going to last two to four rounds. Yeah. So kind of plan abilities based on that, unless you're fighting a lot more things or you're fighting a more legendary type creature or creatures. Um, but yeah, give them erupting earth once a day. 
You choose a point on the ground within range and a fountain of churned earth and stone erupt in a 20 foot cube centered on that point. That seems like totally an earth elemental thing you could do. Make a deck save and the creature takes 3d12 bludgeoning damage on the failed save or half as much on the successful one. And then the ground becomes difficult terrain until it's cleared. Like, that cool. sounds like a that sounds like a perfect Definitely. earth elemental type thing or something that they could do as they control the very element of earth. Exactly. And, you know, I agree completely because the first thing I came up with is just something simple called unstable ground. And essentially it, it uh, causes like a small tremor and changes the ground either to like mud, sand or quicksand. And, you know, you get your difficult terrain uh, a rough terrain, but even more so depending on kind of what you do. Uh, like if it's the quicksand, you know, you have a large space or something, you know, if a, a player's in there for a couple turns, they can get submerged or, or something along those lines, you know, make it harder to get out. And yeah, move. exactly. We definitely want to do cartoon quicksand and not real quicksand because real quicksand is, isn't nearly as scary as uh, cartoons led me to believe. So Definitely go that way with that. It's true. Mythbusters, Mythbusters showed me this. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, the next one I thought of, uh, you were saying something about how it'd be really mean to take someone out of combat. Well, I came up with something called Six Feet Under. And the idea is that the Earth Elemental will grab someone and use Earth Glide to pull them down into the ground. So you essentially, know. like extending its Earth Glide power to the thing it's got exactly it's holding and then leaving them there and then popping back up elsewhere. So the, the character would take a lot of force damage because all of a sudden they're in a place where, you know, there wasn't room for them. And then, you know, maybe a couple strength saving there to try to claw your way back up to the surface, which mm. I mean, again, absolutely terrifying. I'm a horrible person. Don't ever want that to happen. But to me, it just kind of makes sense where if you're able to control the earth, if you're able to do stuff like that, use it to your advantage and, you know, put something where it's not supposed I to like go. It. Maybe maybe a grapple check to, to yeah, grab on. Exactly. And then and then you could as your as your as like one of your attack actions or something, do a grapple check, grab on and then you can extend the earth glide mm -hmm. bonus action. Earth glide extension. Zoop. Exactly. Yeah. It just, except I would leave them 30 feet underground. <laughs> That'd be bad. Yeah. That'd they're be not so terrible. Look, I mean, I'm not horrific. There's a difference. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that I came up with, um, you know, I took a whole lot of inspiration from our giants from last week and it's throw a rock. <laughs> Because again, they I mean, don't, it makes sense. They, they don't have a ranged attack, yeah. so throw a rock. Yeah. yeah, whether they pull it off of themselves, conjure one from the ground, whatever. I've, why not? It just makes sense. I've, I've always loved the fantasy of like the the elemental type things, like the earth elemental looking over, like pulling its other hand off, and then chucking it at somebody and then growing <laughs> a new one yeah me too it's, it, like that's just a it's just a super cool like visual because mm -hmm. one of the one of the biggest things for just DD games and especially as a dm is adding flavor you want to paint these word pictures for your players 
And the more descriptive you are and the more creative you are, the the more the players will get into it. Now, you don't want to, like, absolutely over-describe everything because... Yeah, don't talk it. Yeah, that takes up a ton of time during combat. But for special things, it's really fun to flavor them so that you can get that extra, you know, mind picture for yourself and your players. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we, we've covered uh, air, fire, and earth. Uh, all that we have left is water. So, Ryan, take it away. So, again, there is no ranged attack here. There is there's basically the slam attack and then a grapple. But only if you're right next to it, mm-hmm. potentially. And so... I was like, what would be an interesting range attack for this? So I came up with geyser 30 foot range. You project a massive burst of water from underneath the target. Uh, The target's got to make a DC 14 deck save or get catapulted 20 feet into the air and then land prone, taking 2d6 bludgeoning damage on the impact. And you can replace one of your slam attacks with that per turn. Okay, I like it. I like it. So it, it's another one of those. Oh, I can maybe uh, I'll do a little less damage than my slam attacks, but potentially uh, do a little bit of displacement uh, and get the prone condition out of it. You could even, if you were a fun DM, do more movement based things, aim the geyser and shoot them twenty feet in a direction. Ooh, yeah. Like up and diagonal in a direction, and then they land 20 feet away, depending on which way you aim the geyser. You could certainly do something like that, and then you've got a movement dip- displacement ability, which is always super interesting because that changes the battlefield, that changes the tactics as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I thought about water elementals. I thought, well, what could we do here with this? And one of the drown them then put (laughs) the water in their lungs that actually already is something that can happen it's called whelm (laughs) and uh, (laughs) in fact that did uh knock out one of my players in one of our our early fights they were in a sewer and some some goblins were worshiping these water elementals and well the goblins got taken care of and then the water elementals were like what happened to our worshipers and attacked and whelmed someone and yeah she she, uh, luckily survived but yeah, I don't need to, to be horrible like that. But I was thinking about water and I'm like, well, the simplest of cantrips involving water is shape water. And if a water elemental is just made of water, why wouldn't it be able to do that as well? So first idea was just wet floor. And, you know, it kind of creates like a slippery surface. It, you know, wets a floor or ground or something like that. But on top of that, as like maybe a bonus action or the next turn or something along those lines, turn that into ice so that you have, again, difficult terrain trying to get across. You can maybe freeze people in place or something along those lines. And just the idea behind, you know, just simple magics being able to do more than a water elemental kind of pissed me off, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm like, we're going to give them some of this cool stuff to do. Um, and then, you know, again, I like the idea of, you know, freezing someone in place um, basically turning the water elemental into sub zero, being able to throw ice if they want, or just on top of that, just throw balls of water and, you know, give them force damage or something, you know, it just, 
they're water, they're liquid, they can move around, they're very fluid. Uh, you know, if anything, maybe give them more of a, a deck save, you know, a higher AC because, um, you know, they're fighting like Bruce Lee. They're like water and flowing and moving around, you know, just have fun with them and, you know, drown water, people if you water want. Water elementals flow like river. Yeah, exactly. No, that's uh, that that's totally true. It's again, it's a flavor thing, but it's flavor that you can translate into mechanics if you want to, mm-hmm. and then it really works together to to make that really cool, you know, creative like mind picture uh, for you and your players. Uh, so that's that's it. That's it for for monster picture for the elementals. Uh, I hope I hope you are enjoying uh, this section. If you have any monsters or monster groups that you'd like to see us do a monster fixer segment on, please shoot us an email, Mm -hmm. uh, send us something on Twitter. And as always, Ben gives all the information off at the end of the episode. We'd love to hear what your, your problem or your boring or your generic monsters are that you'd like to get some flavor added to, because we'd love to do it. Maybe not flumps because they're just too sweet and caring and nice. And flumpy. Yeah, I love flumps. Yeah, they're really cute. Did I tell you I added some? Uh, they're they're actually um, the the wardens to the the prisoners that were underneath the Temple of Bahamut in my last city. No, because yeah, oh yeah, they're feeding off of the 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 you know psychic energies of the prisoners and stuff. But you know, in a kind of good way. It's pretty great. Is that like a, like a reverse Azkaban type kinda, thing? Kinda. Yeah, <laughs> I had some fun with it. I have two little oh. flump miniatures, and and uh, my heroes ran into them, and they're just all like, "Oh, flumps, okay, cool." So yeah, had fun. That's hilarious. I love it though. Um, all right. Uh, so moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about breadcrumbs and plot hooks. So Ben, why don't you start us off with that? Because uh, one of the reasons we weren't wanting to do this segment is because. Uh, you've been working with that kind of thing quite a bit for your own campaign. Yeah. So one of the the big things that uh, I enjoy in my campaign is that, um, well, first and foremost, I want to make sure that my adventure and, you know, quest lines and stuff that I kind of come up with are exciting or at least intriguing to my players. And one of the reasons uh, or one of the, the big ways that you can do that is start peppering in little hints about things, you know, just added story. And give them ideas that, you know, there are things going on in the world that aren't involved with what they're doing right now. Um, one of the, the, the first things that I ever did, well, not one of the first things I ever did, but the first notice of that false Hydra town that they went to was a dude coming from the other way, all crazy, saying things like they exist, but now they don't exist. And like, you know, something was definitely going on with him. And, you know, they didn't really have a chance to follow up anything with that right then. But old crazy dude came from a town. They kind of let him go on his way and stuff. And, you know, it's just a little thing kind of inkling in the back of their head. And then eventually they showed up to the town and, well, we talked about that story. And I still feel really bad and proud about it from, you know, overall. Um, But, you know, just little things like that kind of give them an idea that the world is bigger than what they're running into and being able to, you know, give them little tiny breadcrumbs of goings on in, in, you know, maybe entire other continents or other areas of the world gives you a chance to give them that little bit of a window of an opening and then be able to pull those plot hooks and things uh, back and start 
you know, adding it to the grand story that they're actually playing through and, and, and that's being revealed to them. And like one of the easiest ways to do this is, I mean, you're the DM, you control every single NPC that's out there. You could just have them overhear people randomly talking about a rumor that they heard about, um, you know, maybe about the, you know, the thieves guild about how, you know, someone was just inducted and then, you know, oh, they realized that you're kind of listening in. So they had to hush down the tones, you know, all of a sudden that opens something up. There's a thieves guild in town. People can be inducted. Is this something my character would, would want to do? Um, there's the very, very nice, easy way of, you know, we sent uh, these people to go, you know, fetch something and along, maybe they accidentally got an extra piece of paper that had information about, you know, some sort of quest chain or plot hook that you have, um, you know, figured out for later on in the campaign, like uh, something having to do with like a, a prominent family, like you accidentally get some of their mail or something I totally pulled out from critical role. But, um, you know, there's all these these different uh, ways that you can just kind of populate just like bits and things, pieces here and there. Um, just to, to kind of keep that going. In fact, one of the, the things that I love the most is when my players use the scry spell because it gives me a chance to give them that little bit of a window into things that are going on. And because of the way that scry works, you only give them like half of a conversation. You know, they don't know fully of everything that's going on depending on how much you want to give them, you can have them like, say, if they're scrying on a person, just have that person writing something down, but they can't really make it out or have them talking to themselves or, you know, heck, just have them sleeping. Maybe they're taking a nap and mumbling something in their sleep. You know, who knows? There, There's tons of little things like that that you can do as well. And then something that I think is just incredibly stupid, but if you really want to do something, just to throw it in there out of nowhere, put a message in a bottle, just have them run into it. Who knows? There could be someone somewhere yeah. who needs help. <laughs> Make a deck save. Why? Just do it. You fail. You trip over a bottle. <laughs> oh, there's something in it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, like I said, um, all these little things kind of give the world more life. Knowing that things are going on all around helps with your world building in ways that you don't even know because when you give the bare minimum of information players imaginations fill in a lot of those gaps and whether it's you know actually what's going on in their minds who knows maybe it's exactly it maybe it's not eventually though they have something to kind of build off of and they might say hey you know what remember that paper we found with this this um, you know prominent name and and how you know they were missing something let's go find out let's see if we can help them let's see if we can you know maybe track this down and get a reward for it I don't yeah know. peppering peppering that type of stuff in is always is always really interesting because it allows you to um like you said kind of fill in your world make it make it more interesting make it more lived in the quest or the breadcrumb itself may have nothing to do with the main quest or it may be a piece of it both ways are completely fine like it's fine to have side content and in fact uh during the first campaign i did in my dm notes i actually had like 
five or six just side content things, especially when my players were lower level, that I could just drag and drop anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this and that ends up filling out your world, not that it necessarily progresses the story more, but it may flesh out a town. It may flesh out an area. It may um, introduce a landmark. Uh, and it then it, there are also great sources of, oh, uh, the party hasn't gotten money in a while, or the party hasn't gotten some magic items in a while or something. So they those can also be great ways to introduce. And like like Ben was saying, they're they can go anywhere from here's a list of quests <laughs> on a notice board in <laughs> yep. a town. That's kind of like the like beating your players in the in the face with do one of the <laughs> do one of these things. Here's all these side quests you can do. It's like, hey, we can play uh, Sorry or Monopoly or Risk. Those are the three yeah. games we have. Which one? Yeah, is those it? are the three games we have. Um, or to something as subtle as a message in a bottle or a rumor that is just picked up around town by a lucky perception check mm-hmm. or, you know, some, some uh, discarded piece of information uh, in a place the characters are searching because of a high investigation check that they might not have found otherwise. So you can, it, there's, there's a lot of different ways in the, in a whole spectrum of ways you can drop them in from subtle to <laughs> to in your in your face, exactly. Uh, and none of them none of them are wrong. All of them are super super interesting, and it's just kind of depends on the content you want and the type of game you're running. Exactly. And one of the fun things to do is, especially if you know like a big plot point or a big plot hook, instead of just you know expositioning the whole thing out, break it up into little chunks. And, you know, kind of pepper those pieces around, Um, you know, if if there's something going on in, you know, a capital city in the next town here that, uh, you know, uh, you're talking to a shopkeeper and, oh, their their brother just came to visit from the other town because, you know, X was happening over there. And then, you know, later on in a tavern, you might hear that um, someone's being called to the National Reserve because you know, why is happening across the border and, you know, just like have little bits here and there so that it also gives a player something to kind of connect the dots with. So you're just not feeding them everything. And if they don't fully connect the dots, that's great. You can still have those reveals later on. You just don't need to completely spoon feed, you know, the entire bite at once. And again, it, it adds more flavor because you're, you're having more interaction with, you know, many different points of interest as opposed to just the one that's, you know, is going on. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but in the end, it just will end up making your world richer Mm -hmm. to have those, those types of things. Definitely. Um, anything else you wanted to add before we moved on? Um, gosh, yeah, just, you know, an- another thing too, just uh, something innocuous that the characters might have picked up earlier or something, you know, they get to a new town, maybe someone recognizes it uh, as, oh, that that's been in my family for generations or, hey, that's the the Shikari stone from this other village over here. You know, it got taken along with two others and their kids are stolen and they're in Pankot Palace or something along those lines. 
you know, there's a whole Temple of Doom involved. You, you might want to check this out. Temple of Doom! <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know. I like the idea of just, you know, spreading stuff around and, you know, being prepared to just kind of pepper things in where you can. Yeah, agreed. It it, it adds a lot of flavor, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we jump into uh, what we've been doing in our games, I wanted to shout out um, a product that uh, was a Kickstarter that I actually kickstarted a while ago. It's oh, yeah. now available on the DMs Guild called the Tome of Mystical Tattoos. And uh, you might know that, gosh, I guess well, maybe a year ago at this point, um, Wizards, Wizards of the Coast introduced uh, magical tattoos into D&D proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of them. There's, there's, there's a handful, uh, but there's not a lot of them. And so this... Tome of Mystical Tattoos does a lot of the heavy lifting and adds uh, 200 and different magical tattoos of varying rarities and types. And it's really cool because they actually did art for pretty much all of them. Oh, neat. So like the design. So there's like a bunch of head and neck tattoos. There's arm tattoos. There's chest and back tattoos. There's leg tattoos. And so they're, they're all sectioned off into these different different types there's different rarities and then you also get the art so that you can actually see what these tattoos look like or pick and choose from uh, the different from the art book uh like the design you would want for a specific tattoo so super cool it's all 5e compatible um and so if you're looking for extra cool magical tattoo stuff or alternative, you know, quote unquote magic items. Mm-hmm. This is a fantastic book that's got a lot of really, really cool uh, content with a ton of amazing art. That's very highly cool. recommended. I am definitely going to be looking into that because I love the ideas of you know, like mystical and magical tattoos. It's such a cool, like, it's such a cool fantasy, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, I've got a couple like real tattoos. They're not very mystical, but they mean something to me. And when you get them, you you feel a little better about yourself. So, and they're kind of like permanent. Yeah, exactly. In a lot of ways. And imagine if this is something along those lines where it's like that feeling that you have empowers you so much and it's just magical. I love that. I think it's great. I do find it really weird that at least with the official uh, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast tattoos, that you can unattune with your tattoo. I find that odd, but whatever. It It's how they, they balance it out with a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so that you can get different magic items in if they take an attunement slot, I guess. It's it's a mechanics thing, but you can always, you can always homebrew that yeah, exactly. type of thing if you want to. I love flavoring magical tattoos mm-hmm. like tattoos that especially like specific ones um the i forget the official name like the ghost ghost something tattoo it's it's an official one and one of ghost my characters had tattoo. it ghost step tattoo and i always kind of themed it as a tattoo that while the magic was in it kind of moved around and kind of change shape and kind of you know uh transformed uh itself a little bit on the arm or whatever when you had it on and then when you use the magic it becomes static 
Makes so sense. just kind of a just just a flavor thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, if you and if you totally want to tat yourself out, you know, all over the place with a bunch of different tattoos, I guess that really does give you the chance to kind of you know attune to the ones that you need at a at a specific time. So, yeah, okay, I'm I'm I've come back to hey, this works. Yeah. Uh, so super cool book. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, of course. So check it out if that's something that sounds interesting. Definitely. Uh, as always, before we go, Ben, I know you have some stuff. Yes. That has happened. Yeah, I do actually. So we had session two of shopping in trades more or trade more, not trades more. Gosh, it's like, I don't even know the name of my own city. But um, some interesting thing has, things happened on this one. Uh, you know, we got some some rumors about, you know, stuff that's been going on. Like the for some reason, the queen is having the, the, the metal works, uh, you know, working overtime to make armor and swords and weapons and stuff. So it's like, OK, cool. That's a thing. Um, one of the neat things is, is, well, the group kind of split up to, you know, do some shopping. Uh, my, my two half elves went off together. And while one of them was. Uh, sh- while she was inside, the paladin was inside shopping. The the cleric he was left outside, just kind of like holding the bags and stuff. So he's just waiting for her. And that's surprisingly enough when he he heard um or first of all saw some little kids who had like you know pickpocketed someone and like they were you know all huddled up and kind of you know looking at their spoils. Guard came over and uh, told them that you know they got to be careful, otherwise you know the gentleman would come for him which hmm, it's a little weird. Um, so eventually the, the cleric, he went and found another guard and uh, kind of asked what, what that was about. And apparently years ago uh, in like the, the kind of higher class and middle-class areas of town, um, some people went missing and all the eyewitnesses said that there was this, this uh, uh, gentleman just you know dressed in very fine clothes uh, who would kind of be around in the area before these people would, would disappear and then um, after, you know, disappearances stopped happening in the, the high and middle areas of town, um, no, no one's ever really heard of anything since. So it's turned into this legend of, you know, kids need to make sure that they're inside by by dark. Otherwise, the gentleman will take them away. So fun, kind of fun stuff. On top of that, oh, man, did I have fun because uh, they met back up with Herman, the awakened German shepherd shopkeeper. Uh, went yes. with him into uh, the the high end district for shopping. Uh, you know, after has, has Herman become like someone who's just like we will protect him. He is our good boy. Possibly, um, because of his nature, he's totally glommed on to them. Uh, because like in his nature, uh, he's he's a dog. He's super trustworthy, and anybody who he thinks is a friend is like th- his best friend. So he loves the players now. <laughs> unfortunately he's been burned in the past but he never learns because he's a german shepherd it's cool anyways um so while sweet while they're in in his shop kind of after hours and oh i don't think i ever told you about okay we'll we'll get to that um so they're in a shop after hours and they were kind of looking at some of the stuff and i mean he is actually a, a very very prestigious like shop owner and enchanter and he he's a great sorcerer makes all these wonderful things um he has his own custom uh uh, figurines of wonderment or whatever they're called uh basically you know the 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 statues that can summon an animal 
Um, he has a whole bunch of those statues that he made and enchanted so that they can have war horses. Um, so everybody has a horse now um, because of a very rich auction house owner. So he came in, saw what was going on, saw that they were or had heard about them, you know, because they're level 11, or 10 or 11. So, you know, they their their reputations kind of preceded them a little bit. Um, and he asked them to do a favor for him. Uh, so apparently uh, a shipment of just artifacts from this dig site that he'd been funding uh, were being shipped back to town. And the shipment was actually attacked by hobgoblins. So, uh, you know, they got two people from the carts. They actually were escaped, came, gave him the information. So he wants my adventuring team to go and, and you know, get those artifacts back. Said he would buy anything in the shop for him. You know, one thing for each person. He's totally loaded. Dude's decked out in the finest clothes, is like wearing so much jewelry. It's like Mr. T would be jealous. And I mean, it is th- this guy screams Amazing. money. So um, three out of the four of them have chosen those those uh, manuals or tomes that up your your score, your, you know, a stat by two which those are selling for like 30,000 gold a piece. So he's buying one for each of them. And the cleric decided we haven't finished the job yet. I'll choose something afterwards. So they got the horses from the gentleman. They got these really expensive books and uh, they're going to go and, you know, next session, try to uh, get these artifacts just from some random hobgoblins. So we'll see how that goes. Huh. Okay. Okay. Before they talked to him, though, I didn't mention uh, they went to Adventure Tech, which is a. Uh, a that a, sounds fun. Oh, it's great! Absolutely great. Um, so, it's the shop that these two adventurers, uh, Carl and Ellie, uh, no, not Adventure Tech. Sorry, the brand that they make. Um, the shop's called Spirit of Adventure. So Carl and Ellie are there. They're they used to be adventurers, and now they're selling stuff. He's an artificer. Um, she sells just you know normal adventuring equipment like you know tents and stuff, but. So he's making different inventions. And before they got the town, I asked my players, okay, um, just give me a list of things that you want. You know, look through um, D&D Beyond, you know, uh, think of just random stuff that you would want. So my paladin, who I love her to death, she always wants her character to be clean and smell nice. She's like, I want a portable shower of some sort. So I'm like, okay. Yes. So I figured out, a way for you know a portable shower to work so this artificer has created like this you know uh, little disc push a button on it it expands into a shower it's got a crystal on it you pull a cord and a tiny portal to the water or the plane of water opens up water pours out into a spout that's enchanted which heats up the water and then you got a shower i just i i was had so much fun it. with that i love it i love it so much but here's the catch um, 5% of the time, there's a chance that a water elemental could pop out and attack you. So basically maybe with extra cool abilities, maybe, <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to be one of those things where anytime she uses it, I'm going to have a roll percentage dice. And if she gets a five or lower time to find a water elemental in the buff. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I, I had a lot of what's, fun throwing that. What's together. that noise? No one come in, but maybe <laughs> punch, punch. <laughs> be close just in case. <laughs> exactly. Blah, 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 blah. 
Um, but then I also threw together a couple other inventions, uh, like a, just a self um, erecting tent. And then um, also uh, what I called it a portable campground, I think. And the idea behind it was it's going to be like um, the magnificent mansion, except it's a lot smaller. And basically it's just this pocket dimension. That's just like a, a 10 by 10 room so that you can just, you know, camp in there and not have to worry about like the elements or something like that. So I'm just like, yeah, sure. Let's throw those together. Have some fun. Fun. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially at this, this level, right. Mm-hmm. Is like, you can give a lot more fun stuff like that because it's like, well, they're going to, they're high enough level that they're going to be able to work around certain things anyways. Exactly. So might as well, might as well do some extra, you know, just fun stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they get jumped by bandits, like at this point, it's like, okay, the first attack on one of them and they're dead. So the bandits made, made a huge mistake. Exactly. It's like when you walk in that, that's a starting area at max level and something walks up, it's like, I'm going to fight you. You're like, really? Okay. (laughs) Then you change, chain the entire zone. Everything's chasing you. And you're just like, one AOE and then boom, dead. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that. And because I've been giving them so much treasure from different stuff, like they killed the dragon and got essentially its entire horde and, and all that. I'm like, you know, if they ask for something, I'm going to have it available. And there are going to be some things that are super expensive, like those books. Um, but at this point, I'm like, you know what? They're level 11. We're having so much fun. I'm going to give them something super expensive that this dude's going to buy for them because they've earned it. They really have. So, and I'm sure you totally planned for them killing a dragon and getting an entire horde. (laughs) Yeah, definitely did that. Uh, 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 (laughs) uh. Yay. I'm sure the dragon wasn't going to try and retreat and get away at all. Nope. Definitely didn't try that. Although totally did. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways. It, yeah. hey, things happen. Exactly, things happen sometimes. That's yeah. why. That's why things are things are fun. Exactly. It's just one of those one of those cool things. It's like, well, you you bested me. Have a dragon. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was planning on having a dragon ne- a nemesis for quite a while, but yeah, doesn't matter now, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> and like I said before. I am always proud of them with the stuff that they do. They come up with. And like I said, I want to reward them for their awesome play style. For sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, how about you? Have you have uh, any updates with uh, everything that's going on with your campaigns? Not quite. Not quite. So uh, most likely I will be playing um, one of my campaigns this Friday. Ooh, this coming okay. Friday. Okay. And then the, uh, what I'm also really excited about is my second campaign starts next Friday. Yes. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. I've been kind of planning and, and prepping it for the last several weeks. Uh, I, I know I've shared several uh, different <laughs> things with you, so I can't wait to, to kind of start uh, going over that one uh, as well. Cause there's a, I, I hope it's, I hope it's fun. I oh, hope it's fun. I'm from what you've told me, I would kill to be in that game. It it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. There's uh, it's a, it's a four, four person party. There's the great players. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to start that one up. Most of my, 
recent D and D has been coming from uh, plus five. Yes, with with your ill rigger, which is such an interesting character. We we found it out really is. some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of it in one of our sessions recently too. <laughs> the weakness, as as I <laughs> was shoring up with the, all the elementals, is range. Yep. <laughs> At least the specific uh, subclass, the the painkiller, which is like the the big old um, beefy tank uh, subclass for the ill rigger. It is uh, a bit lacking in the range department. Uh, Tiny bit. Yeah. So it somewhat somewhat uh, helped out by some of the magic items that I have and stuff. Uh, but for those who don't know, the ill rigger is actually a custom class that MCDM Productions put out after developing it and playtesting it for like two, two and a half years. It's It's gone through a lot of iterations and a lot of playtesting, and you can actually buy it for like $6.66 on the store because Illriggers, Illriggers are Knights of Hell. Um, so it's, it is actually a lawful evil character, but it's, it's been super fun to play. It's been super fun, to, uh, like the seal mechanic for it is is really interesting there's a lot of different stuff you can do with that it's got this like almost reverse uh healing pool from like a paladin where it's got dice that you can actually siphon your own health to somebody else via this dice pool or drain health which is more uh what i've been using it for from from your enemies and leave them lifeless husks uh but yeah it's it's been super fun. Uh, it's been kind of fun doing a, a semi uh, <laughs> evil, evil campaign. Um, Jeff has been an absolutely amazing DM, and uh, we're actually going to have him on here mm-hmm. uh, sometime fairly, Soon-ish. fairly soon. Next Soon-ish. few episodes, yeah. Uh, once our campaign wraps up, so that he can kind of give his perspective as a brand new DM and some of the things some of the things he's learned and some of the things that he thought he did good and some of the things he'd like to do better. And so I think, I think that'll be a super fun interview. I'm really excited to, to do that one. We've got one session left of that kind of side story before we move back into our uh, main campaign, uh, which is rhyme of the frost maiden, which I'm, I'm a, I am excited to get back to those characters too. So Definitely. if, yeah, if you're looking for an actual play, as we always say, Plus five to hit. It is super fun, and both of us play in that, and we have an absolute blast. Definitely, I I really do enjoy it. I'm so glad that I was invited on all those. Well, like what a year ago now, two years ago, uh, over like a year. Yeah, over a year. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, so yeah I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to do more of that. But yeah, I think that will about wrap up the show for this evening. So Ben, before we leave, why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached? Definitely. Um, so if you have any uh, uh, monsters or any ideas uh, for our monster fix uh, uh, stuff that we're doing, you can always tweet us at DN discussions um, to find out what Ryan's been doing on his own for that. Definitely follow him on Twitter as well. That is at TBK uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. And of course, if you have any uh, questions, comments, have any suggestions for some different abilities that you've come up with, go ahead and email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. And of course, like Ryan said, you can check us out on Plus 5 to Hit, where we play and have fun and laugh and enjoy and cast spells and swing swords and eat a 
all that fun stuff. Or hop around like a bunny, you know, depending on who we're playing. So check that out. Any evil bunny. Oh, I love Rufus so much. He's fun. Uh, and then, of course, last but not least, uh, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, hey, guess what? Every single other episode is on the same place that you found this. So, hey, wherever podcasts are found, you can find DN Discussions. Cool. I, I think that's I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, so until Great job, me- Avatar. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, oh gosh, that show's so good. I, I just finished a, a, a rewatch of it. I kind of want to do it again now. So thanks for bringing that up. But hey, everybody, until next time, be good to each other and have fun with those dice. Take care and we'll see you next time.